All right. So we have a special episode today. All of our episodes are special, as Ebony would say. Uh, this episode is with Stacy Augustine. And before we get started, before we introduce our special guest, we always have a quote of the day. And so let's introduce, uh, let's rather talk about our quote first, and then we'll introduce our guest. The first first quote is our only quote, really. <laughs> this life given to us is in no way a sprint, but a marathon of daily decisions and actionable steps. And that is actually by our guest, Stacy Augustine. So welcome, Stacy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And so I just wanted to introduce our, our host, just in case this is your first time listening. I'm Courtney. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Ebony. Whoop, All whoop. right. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> there we go. So that was a very interesting intro by myself. I need more practice. So <laughs> before we before we get started, I wanted to, and you know what? The bio is actually not here. <laughs> so let me let me backtrack and, and read this here. Here we go. So Stacy is an island girl born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, she moved to California and graduated with a mechanical engineering degree from University of California in Irvine. Uh, after college, she ended up in a corporate construction managing uh, large commercial projects uh, right in the LA area. Stacy from there started flipping mobile homes at the tender age of 22. Whoa while working a full-time job at that. Uh, she took the leap into full-time uh, real estate investing and quit her job last year in the middle of a pandemic. We have some uh, experience with that. Her name's Ebony. And uh, <laughs> she now works with Black Label Group to acquire investments all around America. So welcome, Stacy, and I hope we did you justice there. But thank you, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Awesome. So we just want to, you know, dive right into it, right? And this is, uh, you know, everyone kind of gets into investing just either as a kind of an afterthought or kind of a rediscovery. And so, you know, we see that you have this mechanical engineering degree, you know, how did you transition to this to investing and, and did this help? Yeah. So honestly, I went to college because I'm Asian and, and my parents kind of kind of made me go to college. But I did engineering because I really liked physics or not physics, but just math in general. And I was like, if I get an engineering degree, I can kind of just do anything I want and figure it out once I graduate. Uh, so I went into that and easily I figured out that staring at a computer all the time was not my thing. And so in college it was a research university so we had to do a lot of research projects and i could either join the ones that were existing which i did at first my freshman and sophomore year or i could build my own and and that's what i ended up doing i ended up designing and building a solar race car to go across america 1500 miles completely powered by the sun and i had hired on about like 50 undergraduate engineers to design and build this thing and so from there, I realized that like, hey, I have I have a skill where I can bring people together and like and like project management essentially. And, and I realized that 
if I wanted to go into engineering, it was going to take me 30 years to get to that position. And from there, I'm probably only going to get paid 100K. And it's like, okay, what's my what's my other options? And so while I was um, at school, when I was doing that uh, solar race car thing, one of the guys was working for a company out there that was building the dorm tower at the college I was working at. And he asked me, he's like, Hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this. Like, I know it's not our degree, but like, I'm learning a lot and you seem like this is more so of your fit. And, and I ended up working for them for about two years. And honestly, like everything I've learned, everything I know about real estate investing, as far as the construction goes is 110% from them, all the systems, construction management. A lot of people are so scared to get into real estate investing because they don't understand the construction side. But luckily, um, that confidence that I had from managing these billion dollar projects um, has helped me in my real estate investing career. So long story short, mechanical engineering definitely is a huge reason why I ended up in in investing, not directly per se, but going to college and just being out of this island um, environment allowed me to see that there is just so much more opportunity than just working a nine to five. Wow. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. Uh, Courtney's husband and my husband are both engineers, but we went. To, I went to school for engineering. I just ended up dropping in, just did physics. <laughs> so I definitely understand that. But at no point for me did those two link. So the fact that you were able to link the two and actually use that, I mean, I think the analytical part plays a big part, but what at 22 made you decide that you wanted to do mobile homes? Yeah, so... I, like I said, I grew up on this island, so I don't know. I know you said you've been here before. Um, it's pretty simple. Things aren't luxurious. And when I got that job out, outside of college, I was making some good money and I didn't really care to spend it on these big ticket items that everyone else were. So I read the special book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, obviously. And um, I mean, from there, it was just kind of no looking back. <laughs> I really just started to save my money, started to read a little bit more and, and going to a bunch of different real estate investing groups where one of them, the reason why I got into mobile home investing was because one, I saved a lot of money from when I was a kid. Um, not a lot, a lot, but enough for me to at least buy a mobile home. In California, these mobile homes are pretty expensive. I mean, they go all the way up to like $200,000. And when I had originally wanted to get started, I wanted it, I wanted cash flow because I was working 80 hours a week at this other job. And I was just like, dude, I can't, I can't be trading my time for money all the time. And so my goal was to get a cash flowing property. And I was like, these mobile homes are so cheap. Like, why aren't people renting them out? And I found out that like a lot of them are in parks and uh, they don't allow people to rent them out most of the time. Obviously, there's sometimes they do, but Generally, um, they don't really like investors. And so um, I went to this meetup, which was actually owned by the partner that I'm partners with at the, at the time. And they brought in a speaker about- This is for your Black Label? Yeah, my partner okay. um, in Black Label. She um, owned that, that meetup at the time. And so I went there and heard about this mobile home investing and how you can create cash flow through it. And instantly I was hooked. I was like, holy 
shoot, I've been looking for this answer for a long time. And so that weekend, I just kind of went out there driving around everywhere looking for deals. Granted, I fell on my face my first one, but it is what it is. Were you solely looking in California? Uh, yeah, I think homes? for me, I didn't want to do something far away because I wanted to learn um, for my first deal, at least. But right now we're doing kind of all over the place, but definitely wanted my first deal to be close by. So close by to the point I was, I was living um, in Orange County. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that area, but it's a little bit more expensive and I probably shouldn't have been looking for mobile homes there. Um, but they were there, right? Yeah, they were there, but they were on the luxurious side, more towards the hundreds of thousands of dollars kind of kind of thing. So where, I was going to say, talk to us about the fact that you said that you you fell on your face because a lot of times people will only hear the the perfect stories and not the the learning stories. So I'm pretty right. sure you a lot from that deal. Absolutely. So when I first decided that this was something I wanted to do. I knew that I was going to learn the most by making the mistakes myself. I'm pretty stubborn. If you ask anybody that's friends with me, if they tell me that, hey, you shouldn't do this, I probably am still gonna go do it. So it, it was like really important for me to just remember that like, even if I lose all of this money, it's gonna come back tenfold. And I've seen that now, how much that has come back tenfold, but I really, what I did going into that, I didn't really know what the numbers were supposed to look like or if I was even running the right numbers. The only numbers I really ran was, hey, I'm working a full-time job right now. What is my income from that? What are my expenses? And then what are my expenses per month on this mobile home flip? Can I survive if I hold this property for too long? And that was pretty much the numbers that I ran. And I was fine, kind of got scared a little bit, uh, especially when I started going under and was living like paycheck to paycheck. Even though I had a good income, I was paying like more than half of my paycheck on this on this mobile home. So, I mean, space rent itself in some place like Texas is like 300 bucks a month. This mobile home was a mile away from the beach and it was 2250 a month just for space rent. So just to put it into perspective, that's wow. what we were, we were looking at. Wow. That's major <laughs> those so are Cali, those that are Cali numbers, like here in the in the bay area it's the Wait, same what? thing in the yeah, bay area yeah yeah it's the yeah, same it's thing really expensive so so how, how did you transition though like from from the point of like going to this going to the meetup meeting this woman uh meeting your partner now with black label did you how long did it take you between your first your first mobile home flip to do what like to get how started long did the Oh, yeah, from you started. like going to this meetup and you know. That, oh, that I literally started driving around started. the next weekend. The next weekend. <laughs> yeah, what for me, like if I want something, I'm gonna go get it. And I'm not gonna stop until it's in my hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mic drop, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why my partner and I are partners today because she saw that I actually had the guts to go and do it on my own. This this little like 22 year old girl that just showed up at this meeting with a bunch of other older experienced seasoned women. And I mean, she sees older people come in all the time and, and want to learn about investing, but never actually take the step. And so for me to just kind of 
go for it um, and, and fall on my face and then still try again, I think that has played a huge role in why we are partners today. So moving on from there, um, how are you finding your deals right now? And are you, are you using like creative financing? How are you sourcing your deals today? Because you said for the first one, you used your own money, right? So are you now moved away from that, not using your own money? Yeah, I've moved away from that. Um, for the mobile home, so the two mobile homes, I, I used my own money. I was by myself, that's why. And I didn't really know how to get funding in general. I was trying to buy them though. My original plan with those mobile homes were to buy them on seller finance and then sell them on seller finance. And I even went so deep as to get my dealer's license in California. So I have a dealer's license, a mobile home dealer's license in California, because you need, you need that to do that there. And so back to your question, how we're looking for deals. I mean, we're kind of doing everything really. There's no one size fits all. It's like referrals, MLS, cold calling, direct mail. A lot of it honestly is referrals just because my partner is so deep in the game. People just come up to her and like, hey, they couldn't close, can you? And and so we just picked up a couple properties like that um, last week. And so as far as creative financing goes, I mean, that's the name of the game. Real estate investing in general, you have to be creative. I mean, if you're just coming in with hard money, um, you still have that 20%, right? Like, where are you gonna get that money? Are you gonna bring it yourself? And if you bring it yourself, you're not going to be very liquid. So yeah, creative financing is always going to be a thing. Um, we're going to, we want to try to buy them on no, um, seller financing if, if possible with as low of a down payment as possible. So this really depends on the deal and what we decide on the exit strategy. Where do you mostly invest right now and how, like, if you have properties in Hawaii, what's that market like? So we do um, invest in Hawaii and California, I would say are two primary markets, but we're expanding to Florida and Nevada as well. And then other states like Ohio. What was the question again? What, uh, well, I asked where you were investing in and I said, what's the market like in Hawaii? In Hawaii? Yeah. So the cool thing about Hawaii is like, the prices are rising crazy and you don't even have to do a lot of remodel. It's a lot, it's because it's not this luxurious place. People are paying for the location. They're not paying for the house per se. So remodeled isn't as crazy as it is in like Newport Beach or Huntington Beach and stuff. But but primarily our projects are in California as far as our flips go. Just cause we have a team out there already. But like I said, I'm building the team in Florida um, in Ohio as well. That's yeah. awesome. We had our last guest that was saying that, Ohio. go ahead, Eb. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm sure you probably get this a lot when people hear that you're from Hawaii. They're like, oh, how's the real estate out in Hawaii? And you're like, actually, <laughs> I'm investing stateside. But I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. It's also just hard to get into this market because it's so local based. Like you have to know people. That makes sense. So if someone were listening and they were maybe considering making connections in Hawaii, like real estate wise, is there a particular island or location that's like ripe for opportunity right now? I would say if you're not looking, well, I, I would say the big island is is probably your cheapest bet. It's just Oahu and Maui are just so saturated and Kauai are just so saturated that like the big island is where you'll find way cheaper houses for 200, 300K. And you can probably make the numbers work there. But for cash flow, really, Hawaii is not the best market. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, which, so you were, it's not a buy and hold state. It's more of a flip state. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if things, how things go with the home moratorium and if there's actually going to be um, a lot of opportunity to buy some stuff out in Hawaii. Because if you can break even on a property in Hawaii, as far as cash flow goes, I mean, that's a pretty good investment because it's going to appreciate over time, no, no matter what. So I guess it just really depends on like what your goals are and yeah, the numbers always. So do you guys only do flips or do you have buy and holds as well? We're, we do all of the above. So we just picked up some cabins in Big Bear that we're going to close escrow on actually on, on Friday. And we'll probably end up holding those for Airbnbs. They're really solid locations. So I'm excited about those. <laughs> I'm super excited because Big Bear is like an, an all around season, all season place for people to go. And with COVID, a lot of people have been going there. I mean, the people I know that have Airbnbs there have 0% vacancy. I mean, it's insane. That's dope. That's on my list. My um, board for this year is uh, an Airbnb. There you go. Adding one to the prof uh, profile. Plus yeah. they just went public. So on the IP, uh, on for the stocks. So, I mean, things are looking good for them. Up from here. I was, I was going to ask you like breaking down a deal, but, but first you intrigued me with Big Bear though. So we've had a guest on uh, our past guest that was in property management. She lives or she lives in LA and that is her place to play uh, Big Bear. Always. So yeah, so always. <laughs> always in Big Bear, right? And so <laughs> I got to get there. Tell me, tell me about how you got, how you guys got this deal and how many properties is it? So I really don't know much of the details. I am, like I said, kind of like the engineer operations systems person. My partner is a lot of the capital acquisitions gal and, and sales closer. I mean, this, this lady can close anything. She'll sell you a dirty, mm -hmm. a dirty slipper. <laughs> so but, what uh, is your, what is your kind of, what is, what is kind of your role in, in, in this one, in this particular one? Uh, construction management. Definitely okay. like construction management and just making sure everything moves along because we just have, we just, we just have a lot of projects. So just making sure everything moves along, um, making sure the construction goes smooth. And then, yeah, I mean, as far as the sales goes, she, she kind of closes all the deals. There you go. So from the, I just want to just, just touch on the construction side really quickly because we're just seeing so many flips here. What are you, what is something that you're seeing on your side as a more of a construction expert that, that our audience and us should know right now? Like is the price of lumber, is this going up, you know, out of control? You know, what is something from the inside that we should know? Like if you want to build, build now, because these prices are not, not dropping. I mean, today I talked to like five contractors in Florida. So we're going to do some new build out there. And they're all telling me like, there's like the cost of the trust already went up 30% in the past six months and they're not expected to, to drop anytime soon. So it's just like the price per square foot is increasing at a rate that might not be smart on the back end If we're going to build something that's going to take a year um, like say, say you're going into like a bigger flip and with the cost of construction rising so high, it's like, you really want to make sure that your numbers and you, you have some margin there to be able to account for that. Cause not only is the cost going up, but because 
the costs are going up because of demand. And if demand is going up as well, then shipping time is also increasing. And if shipping time is increasing and lead times are, are going crazy, your project is going to get delayed, guaranteed. And most of the time we're spending hard money on all of these projects. So, I mean, that's a lot of money per day that we're spending every single day that that project is delayed. So it's not just material costs, it's just kind of like as a whole, everything is 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 coming becoming expensive. I think that's a good point because right now people are getting, they're just getting priced out on new bills, right? Or I'm sorry, on new re resale homes. And so a lot of people are saying, hey, I don't want to compete and bid for a home. I'm just going to go to a new construction, right? But I think it's good to know that, hey, your new construction that they say is going to be ready in September, that may not be ready. <laughs> if you're moving out, you're paying rent somewhere else, you know, this from a from a homeowner side of it than, a, than an investor side of it. So that's an interesting point to, to point out. So then, you know, I think one other thing we like to do, I, I personally like to call it a deal walk, but I literally just invented that in my head right now. So... <laughs> So what, walk us through like one of your, one of your deals and it could be one of like your mobile homes. I know you were saying, Hey, I'm a new investor, but talk to us about one of your deals that you flipped and kind of walk us through the numbers and, and educate us on that one. Sure. It, I'll walk you through, um, kind of like my base hit that I, unless you want me to go through the numbers of the one that I fell straight on my face up to you. <laughs> What's, what do you guys think? Like, I, I kind of like the one that would, which one taught you the most? That's the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Or which, we've been together too long. It's like which a one taught you the most or which one would you prefer to talk about? Pick, pick. Surprise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll talk about the one where I, the only reason why I hesitate to talk about the one that I fell sure on my face is because I already have a podcast about it. I'll talk about it anyway, whatever. <laughs> so that first one, like I said, I, I, I went to a seminar and the lady started talking about it maybe on like a Tuesday. And then, so I went out that weekend and started driving around and I found this mobile home for, I think it was listed. This was like, like two years ago. So I think it was listed for like $21,000. And I mean, it was owned by the park and I had offered them $12,000 $12, and they didn't want to take it. Eventually we negotiated to 14,000 and, and I was like, okay, fine. Like, let's do it. Let's, let's just, let me just get this first flip out of the way. And so I, I bought it. And like the first day I made the scope of work, I created the schedule and, um, hit the ground running. I spent about, shoot, I don't even remember how much I spent. I think I spent about $13,000 and then I ended up selling it for $19,000. So my first mistake was that I just really overspent on, on the budget because I didn't remember who's buying these properties. So like, I didn't remember who my buyer was, that this was like a mobile home person. They didn't need all of these finishes that I put in. For example, like my biggest expense was the windows. I probably could have just hired like some lady to clean them for 400 bucks max, but I spent a lot of money on it, like $8,000. I replaced every single window in that house, plus the sliding, plus the doors, like the sliding patio door, like stupid mistake. And the second thing is like, I am not good at like design at all. 
That is not my forte. I am a construction person, engineer, numbers, but when it comes to being creative, yeah, count me out. So let's just say my house wasn't the nicest. You need Kim in your life. That's what that is. (laughs) My partner, luckily, is like a design genius. So I just kind of let her handle that. (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, I spent I spent about twelve thousand dollars. Bought it for about fourteen or twelve as well. Sold for nineteen. All in all, my holding costs, like I was telling you, I paid about twenty five hundred bucks per month total. That was insurance, lot rent, and etc. Whatever I needed to pay for. And then, I mean, all in all, I lost almost thirty k. Wow! Wow! That will definitely. And that was literally like my life savings since I was a little kid. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like every single birthday, I was putting my money in that. (laughs) Okay. You dropped that nugget in the beginning, which I thought was was really good. I did too, because I was like, at what? I was not thinking about saving at that age. I was like, oh, yeah, let me get a car. Let me get this. Let me get that, you know? So (laughs) definitely was not thinking about save my money like that. I thought having $1,000 in the bank account was, was. Balling. Balling. Yeah. <laughs> I got a thousand. Again, I'm Asian. <laughs> so tell us, okay, so that is the, the fall. Tell us what was the bounce back from that? So the bounce back from that was definitely my second deal. It was a huge base hit, but I was so thankful I didn't lose money. So running through quick numbers on that second one, I bought it for seven seventy five hundred bucks, put in I think I put in 9,000, so that's 16,000, about 16,000. And then I ended up selling for 20, 25. And then I, I remember I made $5,000 on that. So total investment was 20K, sold for 25. And it was a, ba- a base hit, but I didn't fall on my face this time. And um, I was really careful about like where what market I chose, um, especially if I was going for cash flow, like I can't, I can't be buying in in these hundred thousand dollar markets. Like I need to be buying mobile homes for no more than twenty thousand dollars, and the space rent itself needs to be like less than six hundred bucks. So I was just really careful about where I was buying, and then it was it was difficult for me because i was working at lax at the time and that was like a 24 7 project and and this project that i had was two hours away from there in corona so that means that there's no traffic when there is traffic i mean it was way worse so it worked out really well though for me because um because of the corona i mean we were working less hours in the office so i was able to take care of it with a little bit more things but um, yeah, that's that's kind of like the rundown of those numbers. That's awesome. So the takeaway from that is stay away from the hot markets, go kind of away, you know, a little bit further away, and try to decrease that decrease the space rent. Um, I think for that. So for that one. So no, I think that's that's solid. What's what's on the goal list? Like right now that you've done this, is your goal now to kind of move a little different direction from just the construction piece to kind of kind of taking that forefront or, or are you, you know, kind of kind of stay there? What's in your, you know, five year? Yeah. So I honestly for me, <laughs> I'm kind of like a wanderlust 
traveler. I really like traveling. Uh, so my goal is to set up my business to where I can work from my laptop. And I mean, by the end of these five years, I would hope that I'm financially free and can just kind of live wherever I want. That's the goal is- You sound just, like Kim. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is to use, really my five-year goal is to use my age and, and the fact that I have no responsibilities, no debt, no nothing, no kids to work my butt off so that I don't have to work in five years. That is my goal. That's I solid. Do. Yeah. I got the kids thing. I got, I got a bunch of things on that list that are just going to knock me out of that five years. I'm knocked man. out of her whole list, so. <laughs> she's, she's knocked out of her whole list. What's, What's your favorite investment strategy? Oh, um, I want to say, I've never done it before, but I want to say private lending. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of like my goal, I would say. It's just because, I mean, it just seems like the best option to not do anything and to just give your money away and let it work. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Just to find out how those contracts are set up and, um, you know, how how does that even get orchestrated? I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, so this has been great. This has been informative for sure. And I don't, I don't think we touched on this. Like this is our anniversary episode where we are one year today. We've had some botched intros. You would think that we had this thing totally laid out for, for one year, but there's, you can always perfect it. You can always perfect it. So no, I really appreciate you, appreciate you joining. And before we let you go, uh, we always just do this like little, you know, little questionnaire type of thing. And it's really just about being quick on your feet. We'll see. We'll see how oh, sharp you go. are. Don't, don't go thinking. <laughs> don't go thinking and all that good stuff. Like, let me come up with something. I'm an savvy. engineer. Don't forget. So <laughs> I'm probably. Gonna I don't think. know. Kim was an engineer too. And, oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so here we go though. Uh, just three fun questions. You know, just to learn a little bit about you. So if you are celebrating that big bear deal and it's going down in celebration mode, you want to put on, you want to take off the books and you're going to put on some music. What are you listening to? 2000s hip hop and R&B. 2000s? You got it. That could be anybody. You got to, you got to niche it down. It, it's like Ja Rule, Neo, like old Neo, the old Chris Brown. Uh, I like it. Things like that. You said T Pain like with the fur boots on. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Boots, boots with the fur. <laughs> with I like the fur. Apple exactly. bottom jeans. Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah, solid. You can't go wrong with that. That's a good time. It's a classic. <laughs> so you say you're a wanderlust. Where, when the world opens up, whenever that happens, where is your next spot? I think South Africa. That was. <laughs> Yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, I really <laughs> want to go to Africa for sure. That's on my list too. A lots of parts of Africa are on my list, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, Stacy. So you get a break in your busy schedule and you get to stream something. What are you watching? It's funny because I don't really care to watch TV. Okay. I really don't have the attention span for it. Like at all. I'd like, much yeah. rather stare at a mountain for 24 hours than stare at a screen for 24 hours. Okay. So it's really hard for me to just think on my on my toes about like what I would really watch. 
Okay. That I'm watching the mountains, sis. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching the mountains. That's the beauty of growing up in Hawaii, though, right? I yeah, mean, I'm like, that's, that's like totally different. That's well, totally even, different. even in the mainland, I mean, there's a lot to see. Yeah. yeah. Dallas is pretty flat, so <laughs> I don't have much of the Okay, way. fine. Yeah, we've got No, she's she's not she's not. So she's our resident reader. And so she's pretty much read every book out there. So that's what I was gonna Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not every so that's that's what I thought she was gonna ask you, right? Oh, favorite book, of course. We'll go to yes. that. What's your I heard you drop rich dad, poor dad, but what what other book gets you get you going and motivated recently i i read atomic habits and i really like that one yeah, i wouldn't say it's my favorite drop, i'm right? really bad at reading again i like numbers <laughs> no <laughs> it was an audible read no i like i i enjoy reading i'm just not very good at it but i do i do love reading okay <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> good to know it resonated with you. I think I love reading, though, because I like learning, but it's so hard for me to read a book. Tell us, tell us before we go, I just want one more thing. For people that haven't been to Hawaii and people that don't know anything about the island, like give us some gems about Hawaii that people just don't know. What's it? What's it? What's food the food is bomb. Not that spam. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. Maybe you don't like the spam, but definitely we have like really, really good local like barbecue, I would say. And if if you like adrenaline, if you're any much of an adrenaline junkie like I am, I mean, the best place to live is Hawaii. That's all I could say. What makes it good for people who like adrenaline? So I brought Skydiving my friend. Or yeah, so I brought my friend from California here, and what we did on our first day here was in the morning we swam cageless with sharks, like 15 foot sharks. We we went out like maybe like three miles off the coast and just swam with them, and then in the afternoon we went skydiving. And that was the first day that I took him around. Yeah, you lost the black girls. Yeah, now Stacy. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be at the house. You want to get back? Yeah, I got you. I got skydiving. I have done skydiving, but swimming with sharks is not one that I'm up for. You know, I'm even in. I'm good on it with or without the cage. The thing is, like, I grew up here, so sharks are kind of like this respectable creature, whereas in LA I mean they just watch Jaws all the time and they're just afraid of them it's just like a perspective like we really respect them and research them and I mean this shark came straight up to my face and didn't do anything so it's really about like learning learning them and and telling them with obviously you can't talk to them but just like telling them with your body and your and your body language that I am an equal to you. I am not going to eat you. I am just eating the things that you are eating as well. But we don't need to fight. Kind of like a dog. You know, the dogs have secret language. No. No. <laughs> totally different. My anxiety would kick in and they would they would come for me. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. holy crap. No. I was scared. I'm not going to lie. But I did just look it straight in the eye and just kind of like, that's intense. Go, go you should be able to negotiate. If you can look a shark in the eye, you can negotiate against. Okay, the I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I'm the one like warming up the leads, but as far as closing them, I'm working on it. 
you got this. You just tell them, hey, look, I look a shark in the eye. It's done. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I'm a bad bee. Right. I'm a it's bad. It. <laughs> you can tell I'm me like, this mama shark. Right, exactly. There's nothing you can tell me. There you go. Well, this has been yeah. awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on our anniversary episode. There, I feel like there should be some streamers or some, you know, something like that happening. We got to work on the effects. Maybe, maybe we could do that. Some streamers and some. Watch there it is. You see it? You see it? There you go. Yeah. Hey, hey, look there you go. Thank you. Something for that. like that. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stacy. I really, really appreciate it, and I hope we have you back on, and we'll talk about some future deals. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Stacy. Bye. Aloha. Aloha.